You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for everything hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today, where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter, and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, and well, well, this is episode 24, Field Sports Channel's Charlie Jacoby. Alright guys, welcome back. It is mid-July 2012 for another podcast, episode 24, and on uh, today's podcast or episode show, I've got uh, Field Sports uh, Channel's Charlie Jacoby. Now you might say, well, who on earth is Field Sports Channel? Well, if you check out fieldsportschannel.tv, uh, Charlie Jacoby is actually the host, uh, producer, and owner of uh, Field Sports Channel. And what it is is a YouTube uh, hunting, shooting, and fishing TV show that comes on every single week, uh, Wednesday night around 7, 7.30 UK time. And uh, it's a, let me just say it's a fantastic show. I've probably been watching it for about uh, two, two and a half years now, probably. And uh, it's a fantastic show, and you learn a lot. They've got... Uh, Everything from you know pigeon shooting to deer hunting to clay targets to rabbits and ferreting. I mean, they've got absolutely everything, and it goes for around you know anywhere from eighteen minutes to thirty minutes each week. And man, I love just getting home on like you know a Wednesday night or Thursday morning and just watching Field Sports Channel, one of the best uh, hunting, shooting, and fishing TV shows in Australia, that's for sure. So I hope you guys enjoy it. But uh, a few things came up in the last couple of weeks uh, was the uh, Andrew Hesterlow assault at the Warunga uh, Park there for the National Parks hunting. Uh, Andrew from downriggershop.com.au was actually set upon by uh, uh, a greeny feral, you might say, uh, tackled to the ground after you know he got on his megaphone, which is you know legally entitled title to do to protest legally and was actually uh, attacked by a greenie spat on uh, his uh, megaphone was destroyed and you know this is the sort of stuff we're getting out of the greens if they don't agree you know why are they actually assaulting people and actually i hope actually andrew takes that further because i did hear him on 2gb uh, with alan jones uh, saying that you know it wasn't going to take it any further but you know these people need to be responsible for you know their actions and uh you know i guess the you know it's the actual greens are the ones you've got to worry about that are assaulting people so anyway I guess, yeah, what do you do, I guess. But uh, don't forget, jump on the uh, shootersandfishers.org.au website. Donate to their uh, uh, website there where they need the donations. Um, don't forget, we've got the australianhuntingpodcast.com.au website coming up soon. Uh, as I said before, my last episode just taken a little bit of time, but I am going to have uh, listeners uh, contributing to the webpage as well as users, you know, doing blog, uh, you know, basically on the blog, doing like, you know, hunting write-ups, you know, reviews, just want to get the listeners as part of the show. Because as I said before, it's you know, just as much your podcast as it is mine, and uh, I want, you know, people interacting uh, with the website too. Don't forget, jump on the Facebook page, Australian Hunting Podcast, Twitter, AH Podcast, email, Australian Hunting Podcast at gmail.com. I want to thank people that are emailing me. Uh, I try and get back to you as quick as I can. I'm very busy. You know, I've got a full-time job and uh, doing the podcast as well. So, you know, don't think your emails are going to left unreplied uh, to. I'm going to get into them and uh, give you uh, replies very soon uh, for the people that have uh, written to me. I've got people listening from Canada. I've got people listening from uh, the UK and Sweden, Japan even. I've got an email from a fellow at Japan. So, 
Thanks for all the people that are flicking me over emails. It's just amazing that not only people are listening to this podcast in Australia, but all over the world. Don't forget to jump on iTunes, rate five stars on iTunes and leave a comment. I can't stress how important that is for you guys to leave a comment for me. Uh, Rate it five stars, which does get us more exposure. So come on, jump on iTunes now, leave a comment and rate five stars. Now, again, like last time on the podcast, people have said that uh, they don't have iTunes. Well, as I said, iTunes is free. It doesn't cost you to download the podcast. Um, to download iTunes is about 40 or 50 megabytes I think and you can subscribe to the podcast now if you don't want to do that and you've got an iPhone or an Android phone uh, jump on Stitcher stitcher stitcher.com and we our podcast is listed with Stitcher and you can basically listen to the podcast all across the world from the Android or the iPhone app or the website so check out stitcher.com download their uh, application uh, don't forget to check out my business website aussiefederalcontrol.com.au uh, that's my business website and uh, don't forget to share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends, family, your work colleagues if they like hunting and shooting uh, it's always appreciated uh, don't forget too, I am listing now and taking uh, uh, emails about if you want to advertise with the Australian Hunting Podcast during the episode to advertise. So if you had something in mind, feel free to give me an email at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, very reasonable rates to uh, you know showcase your business during the podcast. So feel free to email me. And uh, if anyone also has got any any there's any businesses out there that want to give away small prizes or even big prizes, um, certainly email me at australiahuntingpodcast at gmail and uh, we'll obviously throw a uh, plug to the businesses that would like to do that. And uh, I just want to say I do appreciate all the listeners. You know I wouldn't know what to do, and it uh, wouldn't be as good obviously if I wasn't getting the the you know the listener base. Especially Especially the listener base that's blown up over the last, you know, probably three to four months. I mean, you know, it's easily getting over 1,500 now when any one episode is released. And I just, I can't believe it. I really can't. I'm just shocked at how, you know, popular it's become. I didn't think, you know, that it would become popular. I'm just a guy from Sydney and... uh you know, without sort of tearing up here, you know what I mean? It's uh, always appreciated that you guys have decided to, you know, make this podcast the uh, best hunting, uh, shooting and fishing resource in Australia. And uh, I've got a few ideas coming up for the podcast as well for expansion. Um, but I'm just going to keep those a little bit quiet just for the next couple of uh, months until I get my head around, you know, for the people that are going to help out and see how we go. Uh, don't forget, guys, the most important part is to donations through PayPal um, to get the website up and running and to get it all set up as i said it's costing a few thousand dollars so you know any any donations through paypal and i've got 1500 people listening to the podcast on any one you know episode uh, release podcast so even if i get a dollar from each of those 1500 people you know that that's almost paid for the website so i mean basically that once once this podcast goes live i'm going to throw a link up on the facebook page the twitter page for donations and uh, you can securely go on there you know give two dollars to a thousand dollars whatever you want to give is always appreciated and this is important in, you know, hosting the site, all the downloads. You know, it can become it can become quite costly. So again, that's always appreciated to jump on, donate through PayPal. So pretty much, that's pretty much about it for this episode. So I guess without further ado, let's get into my interview with Field Sports Channel's Charlie Jacoby. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Coming up. I'm talking to Jason from Australian Hunting Podcasts about hunting and shooting. All 
Right, Charlie Jacoby, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. It's uh, finally a pleasure to have you on my show. It's fantastic to have you with us today. I tell you, hunting me down has probably been one of the trickiest hunts or stalks you've ever been on, hasn't it? Exactly. I think you're right. I think the foxes are easier to uh, to, to, to call to call in than Charlie Jacoby, to be honest with you. <laughs> I tell you, I've, I've had to put a bit on the website now. It's it's a map of of of, of the world, and it's got a it's got a dot on it saying where I am, so that uh, so that people can find me. But it's uh, yeah, it's nature of a weekly TV show at the moment. You you tend to zoom around the world a lot. That's right. So I guess I guess in saying that, for people that may be on my show, you know, don't know who you are and what you do, can you? Tell us, I mean, a bit about Field Sports Channel, uh, how you, and also how you got in. You personally got into hunting and shooting. Yeah, of course, Jason. Well, I was a um, magazine editor, hunting magazines here in the UK, for about twenty years, and uh, I teamed up with a guy from a television company we have here, ITV. And we thought, well, either we're going to go to someone like the BBC and say, look, can we do a six-part series on hunting, shooting, and fishing, or we can do what the magazines do, and that's bring out a weekly show. And we looked around and we found YouTube, which was a very, very little site in those days. And uh, we got onto that. It's about half an hour every week. It's a magazine program, so we do three or four items. Uh, and off it went. And we're now, thanks to the huge success of YouTube, uh, we've got a quarter of a million unique viewers every month watching the show half a million times between them and, and all the other bits and bobs we put out. Um, and uh, and we're extraordinarily enough making a living out of it. <laughs> oh, fantastic, and that's what it's all about. So I guess you know what's a uh, regular day like in the shoes of Charlie Jacoby and Field Sports Channel. Well, the joy of Field Sports Channel is there is no such thing as a regular day. Um, but uh, say last few weeks, I've uh, had a lovely time being in Kenya, uh, fishing in the Abadares, and then I went to Namibia, um, where. Uh, I had to pick up a leopard in a trap and go off after Oryx. Um, it's mainly filming. We're, we we film other people. We're not one of those star shows where I get to go out and do all the hunting. Um, mainly because you know I'm a rubbish shot, I admit. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I do love the hunting and I do love the end of the day where where you know I can I can get off to do my own thing. But it's it's really about trying to find world experts on stuff and talk to them about it absolutely so i guess coming back to your previous question you said you you started the uh show with your friend i guess um is there any more people that are involved in it do you do all the editing and sort of you know uh, are you the owner of a field sports channel or well it's me and david um and david's the guy if you watch the show you see him on the on the field sports channel news stump you know and 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 here's me living and dying for hunting shooting fishing and here's him living and dying for news and weather um, and uh, and between us, yeah, we do put the whole thing together. We we do we do get a bit of help from freelancers from time to time. Um, but we've also started doing shows for other people. So um, there's a, there's an outfit called Team Wild, and they they do a TV show every week. We we, we make that for them. There's another one called The Shooting Show, um, which is uh, Sporting Rifle Magazine. That's a British magazine about about hunting. We we make their TV show every week. So there's quite a few. And then we've got our corporate sponsors who we're incredibly grateful to because they, they keep us in keep us in diesel and, and cars and things like that. So that's people like Zeiss. And we have an outfit here called the Countryside Alliance who uh, fights for fox hunting rights and stuff like that. We do, we do a lot of filming for them. 
Um, and and a shotgun manufacturer you'd know called Browning. Yep. Uh, we we do a lot of stuff for them. So how does I mean how do you find the the time? I mean I mean obviously you do the presenting. You know you head out there and stuff like that, and you you know do all the filming and you do all the. How do you how do you sort of keep up with all the editing and trying to get it out every week? Being out in the field trying to film and must be very difficult. It's a lot of late nights, a lot of, a lot of cups of coffee, um, and then the coffee turns into whiskey, and, you know, the whiskey turns into the small hours of the morning. But uh, it is a, it's a weekly miracle. <laughs> it always amazes me that it happens, but it, it has for the last three years. It has always happened. Yeah, so how did you, I mean, how did the, I mean, you said you were going to go to the BBC before, but when did you just realise one day, hey, let's, let's start making a, uh, either a, a, you know, a, a TV show or an internet TV show about hunting and shooting? Where did, where did the original idea come from? Well, the really strange thing about uh, television, I don't know what it's like with you in Australia, but over here, for the last 60 years, you've got a fantastic story in hunting, shooting and fishing. And it's perfect. It's perfect what we call narrative. Because you start out in the morning and you go after your animal, your bird or your fish or whatever it is, and at the end of the day, you get it. And that, you know, that as, as a story, you can't beat. And you can imagine people sitting around campfires in the Stone Age for 10,000 years and, you know, somebody comes along and says, I redecorated my cave. And everybody goes, well, that's not very interesting. And somebody else says, you know, I've, I've invented the wheel. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, it's, it's nice, but it'll never take off. But then somebody else comes in and says, I've got a mammoth today, you know. And everybody says, now, that's the story I want to hear. But that story has been untold on television for the last 60 years, especially here in the UK. So it was, it was an open goal for us. I mean, all we had to do was start telling those stories. And, of course, they're going to become popular because they're the stories that, that people love. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, how long has uh, Field Sports Channel, say, been, how long has it been running and how many episodes have been filmed for uh, Field Sports? Aha, uh-huh. don't, 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 every one of them, everyone makes me feel older. It's, um, it's, <laughs> it's been going for three glorious years. We launched on the uh, 12th of August and uh, we're just coming up to our third birthday now. Um, and, yeah, we've grown up a little bit in that time. We learnt a lot about what people want and especially about what they don't want. I mean, they, they, they do want best practice. They want us to show off hunting, shooting, fishing sports in the best possible light. Uh, and and that's, what, that's what we do. Um, they, don't, they don't want us to um, muck around too much. We had, a, we had a series recently called Test Splat Special, which we thought was very clever because it would get people involved, you know, get people to like shooting. Yep, what yeah, we I, thought it was, I out, thought that was pretty good. Did you? Oh, you're, you're, you're one of the very few. <laughs> really? <laughs> they, that, they, they, yeah, many, many people hated it, and so we, we had to take it off. Yeah, um, it, was, it wasn't working. I, I, think there's, I think shooting household objects is hilarious, and, and it you know, engages with people who don't know anything about shooting. But no, they hated it, so we, we canned it. Really? I, just, I thought that was a great... I mean, it gives you a great idea about uh, certain calibers. I mean, I think you shot the shotgun. I think it was a two four three on the watermelon, if I'm correct, if I, That's right. if I record yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, I've just thought that was great, you know what I mean? Uh, and they, and they and they explode, you know. They they look they look fabulous. And then we've you know we've experimented with loads of stuff. I mean, you, you know, this this there's a new trend on on YouTube to film things very very close up and very very slow motion. Um, and we've we've had a we've had a go with that, but you have to be very very careful with it because you know it, it brings the viewer right up close to a rabbit when it's getting shot. And most of the time, that's not nice. That's not good television. So uh, so we you know we use that quite carefully. Um, so, you know, as well as having a really good time, we are, we are careful and responsible uh, because I think one of the things Phil Sports Channel does is, is, 
is a showcase for what we're all about all over the world. So, you know, we, we, we have to be a little bit careful. You can't go around stamping on hamsters. People just don't like it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, how long, you know, let's say you get out in the field and you, you're filming one of the shows, how long does it normally take to film an episode? And then how long does it normally take to you to, uh, to edit, edit one of those episodes and then, you know, for upload? Well, Jason, let me see. It goes out at 7 o'clock UK time on Wednesday nights, and it finishes around about 7.30. So it takes around about from 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday night to about 7 o'clock the following Wednesday, more or less. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, you yeah, do, that's a pretty full week. Yeah, do you do a lot of travelling with the show as well? or? Yeah, there's a lot of travelling. There's a lot of travelling. We've, we've been very lucky too, um, especially now we're picking up kind of slightly more international clients like Zeiss. And, and, you know, we have to get this paid for by somebody. We're not eccentric millionaires, sadly, who who are doing this for fun, because there is this idea with YouTube, you know, it's a lot about skateboarding cats and, and stuff that's qu- quite easy to film. Um, so we get corporate sponsors who we love, like, you know, Zeiss and Browning and Countryside Alliance and all the rest, and we, we film stuff, but we tell them, look, it has to be about the story. It has to be, has to be about the viewer. If the viewer doesn't like the story, then the viewer won't watch it, and then the viewer won't find out about Zeiss and Browning and all the rest. So that's that's the that's the, the angle we're going from. It's not like the 1950s where we're constantly smiling at the camera and saying, "Well, I couldn't have shot that bird without my Browning shotgun." You know, yeah, that doesn't yeah. work at all. Yeah, no, and I, I actually really enjoy how you put it together. But let's say, are you a normally ahead in the filming, or are you like just week to week, and that's where you <laughs> film, or or are you ahead? It's week to week, Jason. <laughs> do you want to come over here for a job? <laughs> I don't know. How do you do, how do you do yours? How much time do you put into yours? Because that I, mean, that's, I know how much work ours is. Yours must be a lot of work. See, sometimes it really just depends. You know, I used to be very, you know, like very, uh, I guess you were anal about when I released them, how I released them, and every little beep or bop or scratch or hiss I had to get rid of. And, you know, that just actually started. Normally it was one a month, but then it, you know, it started to, you know, you know, just hold up my times and stuff like that. So I, I decided to, you know, just maybe let my uh, OCD inner perfectionist go just a little bit. <laughs> and, um, you know, basically just, you know, like relax a little bit and, you know, let a few little things go and then, you know, try and get more out quicker than, you know, than trying to make it absolutely, you know, 100% perfect. But normally, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, write up the questions. Takes me about, you know, an hour or two to write up some decent questions. You know, I put a few things out on a few forums and then I get the questions and then we, you know, do the interview over an hour and then anywhere from, you know, four to six hours, maybe eight hours of work to edit, you know, a one hour podcast up and then, you know, then there's the releasing it and then transferring it around the internet to certain forums, the links and everything and, you know, the artwork and everything like that. That's a seven day week. That is that is definitely a seven day week, I would say. <laughs> when you when when you got a full time job like me and you got to, you still want to hunt and earn money and buy firearms, well, you know you still got to work full time. So yeah, it's 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 not easy fitting it all in. There are a lot of uh, a lot of YouTube channels coming up now, and that's that's really really good to see. And they all go through this kind of growing pain of do I give up my full time job to do this full time, or do I still have to have my full time job? And I suspect, you know, at some stage there's going to be a bit of a shakeout and we'll probably have the kind of top 12 hunting YouTube channels will we'll, we'll stick around and then there'll be the kind of the ones that can't quite fund it off full time. Because the other thing is, we're, you know, we're looking to the trade 
to uh, the gun trade, the, the shooting industry, to basically make all this happen. You know, we're, we're representing them to the viewer. Like it or not, that's, that's where the money comes from. Um, and, uh, and there is only a certain amount of advertising money available, really. Um, so it's, it's fun times at the moment. It's very Wild West for us. I suppose one thing you, you, that, uh, that also works for you, which works for us, is that instead of it being a scheduled uh, broadcast, you get to do it, you, people get to listen to it on demand, don't they? So they, they, they can listen to it you know, months, years after That's you've recorded right. it. Yep, yep, I release all the episodes and they can just go back through the, you know, because I've had a few people that have just come on board and only just found us and, and we're up to like episode 2022. 20, so basically, you know, just uh, they come in and they might, you know, find, I mean, all, you know, podcast number one, the first podcast that I ever did always gets some good hits every week because we always get new people coming on board listening and they just, you know, some people say, oh no, how am I going to get through like 22 podcasts? And I say, well, you know, put it on your iPhone or your iPad or your your computer or your MP3 player and take it to work or take it in the car or put it on a CD and off you go and you've got, you know, 10, 20, 30 hours of listening ahead of you, so... Yeah, no, and this is where this is where we also, as well as being you know enthusiastic about hunting, shooting, fishing, loving it, and and working in the this world, we also all have to be pretty techy, don't we? Do, do you know more about bit rates than you than you think is healthy? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, I've already worked out with my you know file size versus the uh, bit rate, frequency, you know, and all this sort of stuff, and the quality <laughs> and. You know, it's hard when you, because I'm not a person that likes to normally put out, you know, something, I'm a bit of a perfectionist that I'm just not happy with, and I put my heart and soul into it, so, you know, but like you guys, you you know, like at Field Sports, you know, sometimes you get a few haters and you can't please everybody, but I often say, well, if you're going to hate on somebody, hopefully that person that's hating on you does a better job than you, but often they're sitting on their bums doing nothing, so. Most people who leave rude comments are... Just, just kind of want to be your friend. Unless, uh, you know, we, we get dyed-in-the-wool aunties, you know, people who really hate the idea of hunting and shooting and fishing, and they come on and they leave sweary comments. But actually, YouTube is very good at removing that sort of comment and, and kind of downgrading that kind of viewer as well. So what did they say to... I remember you watched one of your field sports uh, episodes uh, several weeks ago, and I think Roy Lupton was getting uh, death threats, wasn't he, saying there was something wrong with him and or everything like that? No, it was Mark. It was Mark Gilchrist got death threats. That's right, because um, he shot that white fox in Kent. Ah, uh, that's right. And, yeah, he did. I mean, that, that was so funny because... If you're going to leave somebody a death threat, which, you know, is the kind of thing that can land you in prison, then probably the last place you want to go to do that is the world's biggest forum, which is YouTube. Um, because <laughs> people will find out who you are. So it was, it was a work of moments for us to find out who these people, get their telephone number, ring them up and say, hello, do you really want to kill Mark Gilchrist? And this guy said, <laughs> "That's right." Well, you, I well, did yeah. so he, he, he got a bit angry at the end, didn't he? He hung up, hanging up on you. He other. did. He did. He was he was very cross. But uh, you know they, they they do get very cross. They're on different hilltops. There's nothing we can do about them. But the thing that the thing which I find strangest and 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 also <laughs> quite useful is that the people who are on our side who don't like what we're doing because you know it, we're a very broad church and they, they'll leave a message, they'll leave a comment saying that was that was terrible. You shouldn't have done it that way. That's not the right way to do it. I think this channel's terrible. Actually, what they're probably doing is they're probably sort of trying to be your friend or trying to sort of establish a position with you and the thing to do with them is get back to them and say you know actually you're probably right uh, you know we filmed that wrong it wasn't the way we wanted to do it um, and perhaps it looks like we're presenting the sport in the wrong way and you know and then they come around and they, and they, they, they tend to be our, our you know best most loyal viewers um, the ones who've, who've kind of 
criticised us to start with, and then then sort of just discover we're not actually as awful as they thought we were. That, yeah, they that, that's we the were. funny thing, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes people, you know, they give you a lot of grief, and some some of it's honest, sometimes it's good constructive criticism, but then other times, you know, they're they're not going to like it whether you, you you do it their way or or you do it your own way. So, and, and often these people are often sitting at home on their couch. You know, with their beer, they're with their beer in their hand and their their uh, you know their corn chips, eating their Dorito corn chips, and they're not doing anything for the sport at all, and, and they've got the hide to call themselves hunters and shooters. No, Jason, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to criticise the listeners, okay? <laughs> no, not. I didn't say I, any of my listeners. <laughs> I know you're not your listeners. I'm certainly not my viewers. My goodness, no, no, no. They're all lovely. <laughs> but mate, mate, what's the uh, future plans for the you know, the Field Sports Channel in Britain? I mean, is there any expansion? Is it trying to go mainstream now to TV? Are you going to leave it at YouTube? What's the future plans? Well, we think YouTube is TV, and we think in a couple of years' time, people are going to talk about YouTube in the same way as they talk about you know, what do you got, Australian Broadcasting Corporation. You know, they're, going to, they're going to talk about it in the same breath. What's on YouTube tonight? What's come out on YouTube today? Did you see that thing on YouTube last week? Well, you can still see it. Just go on YouTube and have a look. So that's one good thing. We also think that Phil Sports Channel is just about getting to the right sort of size where we can attract quite big advertisers, which means we don't have to worry too much about things like... Um, sponsored stuff in the middle of the program, which is going to be nice. So, you know, the more audience we get, the less we're going to have to we're going to have to make kind of what are basically promotional videos. Um, and uh, and the other thing we're going to be able to do, which I'm, my favourite bit, is uh, you know, like your your big national broadcasters have news services and they have to run around the world and cover wars and things like that. Well, we're just getting to the side as a, as a network, as a broadcaster, where we can say, right, what's the most exciting animal in the world this week? Look, there's a crocodile going crazy in Papua New Guinea. Look, there's a lion that's going rampant in Zimbabwe. That, you know, we can go international, we can go and cover these stories, and we'll be like the, the war reporters of the, of the wacky wildlife world, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, you guys, that's, that's, you guys are so lucky to be able to do that, you know, and, and enjoy what you do. I mean, you guys put the hard work and the hard effort, the long hours, and it certainly shows in your show, and I really enjoy it myself. You know, I know a lot of people well, do that's too. Well, great, cheers. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, it's, 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 a, it's a joy to do. Absolutely, but uh, let me get into. Uh, I've, I've had Mark, uh, game chef Mark Gilchrist on my show talking about game cooking. I mean, I guess the questions are, how did you get people like Mark on field sports? Because I know there's a number of uh, characters on the show that I personally enjoy. Mark's one of them, definitely. He's like a great character. Uh, you know, Roy Lupton. You've got uh, George Digweed on there a fair bit as well. And uh, Crowman shooting the crows and that. Oh, sorry, shoot, sorry shoot, or shooting pigeons and crows, I guess. But uh, how do you get them on your show and how do you keep it fresh getting new people? Well, it's a combination of luck and the cost of diesel, actually. Um, I don't know what uh, fuel costs are like in Australia, but they have gone through the roof in Europe, and especially in the UK. And, you know, we all get very cross about the amount of tax we pay on it. That meant we couldn't travel very far away from where we lived in order to make our first programs. So David lives down in southeast England. He's in Kent. Um, I'm down in southwest of England and Somerset and uh, we really had to look around and see who was local who was any good uh, and it turned out that Round David was a complete hot spot a kind of cluster of really good people so you've got Dom Holton who's the editor of our Sporting Shooter magazine I know you've got one as well uh, there's, uh, Ro there's Roy there's Mark there's George Digweed who probably is the world's best shot you know he's 19 times world sporting fit ask champion he shot a 130 yard clay pigeon for us um, which uh, you know was is <laughs> pretty astonishing, um, and um, 
and we have this guy called Andy Crow, who has become quite legendary um, just for being a farm manager who shoots a lot of pigeons. Um, and then over in my end of the country, I've got all the big West Country shoots, uh, the pheasant shoots, which is a major part of the shooting industry. And I've got uh, some uh, Commonwealth Games medalists and hopes, uh, Ed Ling and Abby Burton, who are a boyfriend girlfriend and live about a mile away from me. So we film a lot of these guys, and we've been, we've been very, very lucky to have them. Exactly. So tell us, you know, over in England there, what is it like in England to be a hunter and shooter, and what does it mean to be a hunter and shooter in the UK? Um, it's uh, it's it's not probably as important part of kind of local life as it is in France. In France, you know, the whole thing, La Chasse, is very much a lifestyle event. Uh, over here, it's more what you might call a specialist consumer activity. But that said, there are an awful lot of people do it. So you've got a quarter of a million people turned up to the Boxing Day meets where the, you know, the red-coated fox hunters get together and chase after foxes, except, of course, they're banned from doing that at the moment, so they, they have to trail hunt instead, obviously. And, uh, and then you've got three million anglers and, and probably two or three million people who shoot air guns as well. So, you know, out of a population of 60 million, even if there's a lot of crossover between all those things, you're probably looking at a, at a world of about five million people who actually do hunting, shooting, fishing, and you're probably looking at a, a supporting group, you know, people who, who like it, accept it, um, half the country. Um, that does mean the other half of the country gets together and gets fox hunting banned, but, you know, we're, we're talking them around. Yeah, so, I mean, would you say the UK generally, you know, accepts hunting and shooting as a viable sport undertaken for either pleasure, sport, or just necessity from owning farmland and reducing feral animal impacts on land? I think a bit of both. Um, and I think most of the country believes in hunting, shooting, fishing. And I think, I bet it's like you in Australia, you've got a vociferous minority who stand up and say, you mustn't shoot the baby ducks, you mustn't shoot the rabbits, you must, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, and we have to find the language to, to face that off. And part of, part of what your channel does and part of what our channel does is to promote hunting and shooting to people who don't really know anything about it and want to find out about it. So, I mean, in that respect, that's why we get it for the best practice thing all the time. That's why all our, all our hunts look so lovely. <laughs> um, because, you know, you're going out to... You, you, we are in a lobbying situation at the moment. I suppose the, the, the sadness is that we think it should be part of, part of a, I don't know, a wider cultural life. Because hunting is you know, embedded in what British people do, and I, I'm, I'm sure it's embedded in what Australian people do as well. But we're kind of hidebound by, uh, by, by this minority who are, who are fighting against us, and, and we are controversial as a result with a capital C. So every time national broadcasters talk about hunting, shooting, fishing in the UK, they put on that slightly kind of, uh, voice, and they go, and now uh, hunting. And you think, oh, God, why can't you just do something nice about it? I mean, the people go hunting for fun. <laughs> that's, what, that's why we do it. So, you know, look on it as a sport. Exactly, and why do you think you know, like getting back to when we, you know, on the, on that one of that field sports Britain shows we had the you know anti the anti people on there, you know, making death threats. And all that. If people aren't interested in say watching it and it doesn't interest them, I want why do you think they get so heated and so upset and leave threatening comments? Like, why do they do that? I I don't know. I I think the antis are a lot more organised than they pretend. Uh, I think that. Uh, they're, they're very good at saying, right, your, your duty tonight, Mr. Ante, is to go out and leave rude messages on this, this, and this channel, and, <laughs> and similarly on that, that, and that. You know, I, I think they're, they're quite careful, and I certainly spotted something they've, they've been doing recently, which I, I think is you know, admirably clever, um, is they, 
they find a story where they could have a bit of an angle and they go onto the local newspapers websites and you know the bit at the bottom of the local newspaper stories where you get mad old mrs miggins leaves a message about uh, you know oh, i think you should be hanged and all that sort of stuff well i i think what they're doing is they're they're, le- they're just shooting a few lines there just saying you know which way is public opinion going and occasionally they get a, they get a result and then they can take that result to that paper the following week and they can build that story and build that story it's it's a media campaigning it's very very clever um and i'll give you an example of this we had um we had a, a, a vet, and he shot Britain's biggest fox um, because it had killed his parents' cat. Uh, you know, they found bits of the cat all over the doorstep. He shot the fox. He's a, he's a keen fox shooter. And, uh, and the newspapers loved this story, and they gave it a very positive spin. They said, you know, the marksman and, uh, you know, all, all the kind of positive words they use. Um, and then uh, what happened was the entities, of course, couldn't find a way in. So... They started leaving comments, and eventually the way in they found was that he's a vet. He's a veterinary surgeon. So they said maybe veterinary surgeons shouldn't be allowed to shoot. And then they went to the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, and they, they put that question to them, and they were on the back foot a bit, and they said, well, we, we, we don't know, actually. And then, of course, you know, then they had the story they wanted. Now, that kind of media campaign takes a lot to put it together, but they got there, uh, and they got, they got their hit. You know, all these stories are a little bit like the trenches of the First World War. When we're out there battling against antis in the media, you make about 300 yards and they take about 200 yards back from you. And you just look at your net gain. In that respect, you know, we made ground. But I was surprised how quickly they took back some more, you know, some, some of their ground. Exactly. So I guess that goes into probably the next question. How, how are the laws at the moment in regards to either hunting and shooting or firearm ownership in the UK? Because I know they, they banned uh, what the uh, pistols and handguns after the Dunblane incident. And, you know, apparently from my sources and what I read, you know, handgun crime is just out of control in the UK at the moment. Well, no, it's, it's, it's got, the handgun crime itself has got a lot better. What was interesting is in the three years following the handgun ban, handgun crime went up 40%. So clearly the ban doesn't work. And actually we have got, for the first time since the 1960s, a, a prime minister who enjoys grouse shooting, who actually has been fox hunting, who takes a holiday every year to go deer stalking in Scotland. Uh, and I think, that, I think that really helps. Um, you know, we've lost uh, 10 years. We, we haven't had anybody like that. We haven't had anybody who understands it. We, have, we had a very urban majority. Um, so, you know, you can't rely on these politicians, but, but that's a starting point. So I think generally the world is, is going our way at the moment. Um, and we're all campaigning for the repeal of the fox hunting ban, which is so ludicrous. It doesn't work. You know, there are t- where I live in West Somerset, there are 12 hunts within about five miles of where I'm standing right now. They all go out on Saturdays. There are two police for this entire area, and both of them hunt. So, you know, the chances of any of those hunts being prosecuted for doing anything naughty at all is nil. So what were you saying about that? So in, in the UK or in England at the moment, it's illegal to shoot foxes, is that correct? No, no. Um, when we talk about hunting, we mean uh, uh, catching them with packs of hounds, packs of dogs, and pe- pe- people wearing red coats riding horses. You know, and that, there are various class-based reasons why, why that was banned. You know, it was a revenge beating. We had this big miners' strike in the 1980s. Uh, we, we had a, a bunch of antis who had fantastic funding. There's an outfit in, based in Florida, I think, called I4, International Fund for Animal Welfare. Um, through their channels, they put up a lot of the money. And, and of course, we had this old, this old pro-fox hunting group who say, oh, you can't ban fox hunting. You know, it's got a lot to do with pest control. And it hasn't got anything to do with pest control. You know, fox hunting is about fun, enjoying yourself, 
it's binding, socially binding, it's, it's exciting. People who do it love it. And, and they get to have great parties afterwards. Um, and that was the bit that the old pro-fox hunting people couldn't put across or wouldn't put across. And as a result, the British public thought, well, we've been lied to about fox hunting, so they didn't really care when it was banned. Well, now, of course, you know, they're starting to care because they see that you know, a big part of Britishness has been taken away from them. And, uh, you know, the, the bright red of the countryside has, has gone, well, as far as they're concerned. So we have a case for repealing this ban and, you know, a prime minister who's promised that a vote will take place. And about time, too, is what we say. Exactly. I mean, we've got we've got a massive uh, you know uh, population of red fox over here, and you know we don't even have, or especially where I live in New South Wales in Sydney, we don't even have any or very many ground dwelling birds like pheasant or partridge or anything like that because they just they would they just wouldn't be able to survive on the ground, and that's why my uh, friend, which we discussed before the show, uh, Max, who's tricky bricky sixty four, who you uh, put in you put him on the end of one of your uh, field sports channel shows. Uh, uh, the YouTube and he uh, he loves you know hunting foxes with his kids. He likes to film it. He loves to get them coming into the call on his uh, Fox Pro game caller and uh, yeah, he just loves it. And we've got a we've got a huge population. That's why over here there's no season. You can hunt them 12 months of the year. Yeah, I love this film. And we got this uh, we got this to you about sports in Australia because I don't know, I could I be wrong, but have you had duck shooting banned? Duck hunting has that been banned in Australia? Well, this is actually the thing. About two days ago, actually, well, about five out of the seven, or or four, yeah, or there's only there's only three states where you can still do it now. I think it's Tasmania, South Australia, and Victoria. But where I live, yeah, it's been banned since 1995. I mean, you still can duck hunt, but. Basically, it has to be uh, down on the south of the border of New South Wales. We actually have the Riverina area where you they have where they grow all the rice fields. And during the rice fields uh, season, basically they just get decimated by ducks. So you can actually get a permit and actually head down there and help out the rice farmers. So you know, I mean, that's what a lot of people do if they want to sort of get into duck duck hunting and help out the farmers that are losing their rice crops. But general recreational duck hunting, yeah, it's banned in New South Wales. Yeah. We find that pretty amazing. <laughs> Probably as amazing as you finding a fox hunting's banned in the UK. But there you go. <laughs> but the funny thing is too is that um we had we've got a, a a political party called the Shooters and Fishers Party who has two people in the upper house of the uh, New South Wales State Parliament, and uh, they actually got some good results because we've we've had like what we call a game council model here for about five or six years, and we can hunt in state forests. Uh, we it's it's a booking system. It costs you a yearly membership fee of sixty dollars and. Basically, you can hunt on public land in certain areas of New South Wales. Now, we also have other land called national parks that have been just banned from, you know, no hunting, no four-wheel driving, you know, and basically uh, the new government that just got in about a year ago needed uh, the Shooters and Fishers Party's votes to sell off the, elect you know, the, the, the basically a lot the electricity, the, the electricity plants and stuff like that. So that was going to cost $5 billion. So... Barry O'Farrell, the Liberal uh, State uh, uh, Premier of New South Wales, basically agreed the other day to uh, national park hunting in about 90 or 70 or 80, or sorry, I think it was 70 or 80 of the national parks in New South Wales, and they're also going to reintroduce a new uh, duck hunting model coming towards the end of the year. So we're all very excited about not only more access to public land, but also uh, New South Wales, instead of 
you know, hunting ducks over rice on mitigation permits. We're going to be able to hunt them uh, in a new model that hopefully will be, at this stage, it will probably only be public land. But, I mean, getting any, any duck hunting back in New South Wales is just going to be fantastic. We've tried that kind of thing. We've tried to get uh, our own people into Parliament. But the trouble is, you know, single issue voting, it's not, it's not very big over here. And we don't have the regional parliaments with the kind of teeth uh, that you've got. However, what we have got is, uh, uh, is, is people going through the Countryside Alliance, it's this uh, major um, hunting, shooting, fishing organization here, and, and they come out the other end and then they apply to become MPs. And, you know, so we have a lot of MPs who are basically in our camp already, members of parliament, and that has been, I think, a real, real success for us. Whereas, you know, there are so few anti-hunting people, they just don't have the the, the resources really to be able to do that. They have the staff to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, it's a democracy. We're, we are going to win. That's the funny thing here. I mean, I go on Facebook a lot. I go on, you know, some of the anti-hunting pages to see what they're saying. And we had a lot of uh, issues with people just like obviously after, you know, the, the media release a few days ago people were like oh you couldn't possibly hunt in national parks you know we're going to get shot by hunters and, and all this rubbish and I, th I actually said I put on there I said how about some of you actually get off your smartphones get off Facebook and actually get out in, <laughs> you know get out in the bush go camping go hunting go shooting because some of these people that are saying oh I can't believe it's ridiculous that you know we're going to be allowed to hunt in national parks in Australia but these people have never even been to a national park they've never even they sit there and talk all the stuff in the world but they never get off their bums and do anything themselves they're you know people that live in the city and people that don't know anything about it and and a lot of my friends even like Max who you you know showcased on your YouTube show um He's been out in the field more times than any of these people have probably been out in their whole lives, you know, and they have the yes, hide to yes, sit there right. and say, you know, oh, this is ridiculous. And it's just, it's just, they just embarrass themselves. Well, yeah, but then I wonder also if they're shooting a bit of a line, because I mean, that's exactly what our lot do. Is if you, if you find out, if you say, if you shoot a line like, oh, terrible, if people go out hunting in national parks, we'll all get shot. If, for some reason, the weight of Australian opinion was behind that comment, and they would have a story there. You know, they'd have something they could they could use in the media. And this is what our lot are doing. They 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 they're cleverly putting out little lines like this, nonsensical lines as far as we're concerned. But of course, it just might resonate. And if it does, then you know they're away. They they found they've got another little bow. Boat, what are they called? Quiver, quiver of arrows for their boat. The funny <laughs> thing is, um, <laughs> the funny thing is, our, uh, our our premier of New South Wales, who agreed to the national parks hunting, always said he's basically said for the last year that uh, he'll never allow hunting and shooting in national parks. Yet he's done a bit of a double backflip because he needs to get his, you know, or three to five billion dollars for the electricity sell-off so to make to privatization <laughs> but you know for privatization so you know and and the last two days there's been media releases and people can't believe it and they're oh, shocked that people are going to be hunting in national parks and all the, the, the you know the media has been all over it so to speak well, we sold off our, all our power companies, and it doesn't seem to have affected us too much. It seems to be the same system as when they were state-owned. So, so I, do, I don't think uh, voting for that's going to uh, damn or not damn the uh, pro-hunting organisations in Australia. Exactly, and we're, we're lucky to have, uh, you know, basically got what we want out of a sort of a bad, you know, a, a situation where we, we, we utilised it to our advantage. Yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly, and that works. So well done. Um, 
Well, we all have to be a bit more political. But the other, the other thing, which which I think we we need to get across to the uh, to the wider world and the aunties in particular, is that what we do is really good fun. It's very exciting. It's like going for a walk with the colour turned up. You know, it's 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 much, it's it's and it's much more than than they can imagine. It is what human beings are like. You know, we are we are hunting animals. As, as well as nut gatherers, obviously, but we are. This is half of what we are: is is going out after duck uh, or rabbits or deer or you know whatever our sport is. Absolutely. So I mean, let's let's go on to a personal level, Charlie. What I mean, what what do you like hunting personally? Are you a deer hunter? You like shooting pigeons, or what? What do you enjoy? Uh, well, I'm I'm what you call a greedy gun over here, so I I just go for whatever I can get. Isn't that terrible? Um, but uh, I do have a great advantage of living in the west country, the west southwest of England. Uh, we have a, a huge variety of of, of uh, possibilities here. So, about 100 feet from where I'm standing is a little river, and there's salmon and trout in that river. Um, all the way around me, there are pheasant shoots. I can go and do pheasant shooting if I want to. There's a pigeon flying over me right now, so I could just go and get a gun and have a lovely after morning. Where are we now? Morning for me, afternoon, evening for you. Uh, could, could do some pigeon shooting. There's, there's a, a, I know personally a three roebuck within a mile of where I'm standing, and it, it is the roebuck season over here. That's our kind of standard issue small deer. Um, and of course, we are almost knee deep in rabbits. Well, not quite needy, but there are plenty of rabbits around. So I can do whatever I like. It's all here on my doorstep, and I do. I've got two cocker spaniels. People say that's a bit of a girl's dog, but they, they came from the West Country originally. They were, they were bred for what, uh, what a bird we get, we get over here in the winter called woodcock, uh, which is where you get the name cocker from. And, uh, and they're very good at getting in there underneath the brambles and pushing stuff out. That, that's what you want out of a dog. Absolutely. So, I mean, what about in regards to firearms? What's in sort of... You know, Charlie Jacoby's safe, or what's some of his pride and joy that he owns, or what does he like shooting, calibers, etc. Well, I'm gonna, I, I'll tell you what, just, just for a change, I won't plug the brands, but I have got a semi-auto, <coughs> Browning Maxis, very good. And I, ha- I have got, I have got uh, my standard over and under um, clay and game gun, because it's been a change over here in the last 10 years. You know, your smartest shoots, we have some very smart pheasant shoots near where I live, you would have been a side-by-side person 10 years ago. Almost everybody's an over-and-under person now. And the Browning Heritage... Oh, God, I said that word again, didn't I? I'm so sorry. Uh, I got one of those. But I do have a non-sponsor, non-sponsor shotgun, which is uh, a pair of shotguns that was built for my great-grandfather in 1892, made by Stephen Grant of St. James's in London. And I've just had them done up by a, a very good gunmaker friend, Graham McKinley, in Glasgow in Scotland. And they are beautiful. So I might, might be going to the bank, see if I can borrow some money and treat myself to a, a bit of a big, a big bird shooting day just so I can try them out. I think that's probably <laughs> the best thing to what do. You, what do you enjoy shooting more, the shotguns or rifles? Well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm more, uh, I enjoy more rifles, but... Um, uh, uh, because I get to use the dogs with both of them. It's just, I suppose the rifles just have an edge because you've got to walk a bit further. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's also, for me, it's about getting out there and, in, into the, the wilder areas. We don't have many wild areas uh, in, uh, in England. Uh, we've got a few, um, but we do have Scotland, and that, that is a, a, an absolute blessing and a boon. That is a, that is a good place to go. And so for, for, for deer up there, um, I've got a, a, a little 243, 
Um, can't say the brand because, of course, not a sponsor. Great shame. And, uh, and for Rabbit, and for Rabbit, I have an Anschutz uh, 2-2 semi-auto, which uh, is a little bit ancient. Oh, I tell you, I forgot the shotgun. I forgot the shotgun. My favourite shotgun. Oh, yes, it's a it's an old Belgian number. It was sold to me by an old brigadier who got it in 1945. How did you get it? Oh, what a great story. It was in charge of a baton platoon in Burma. It was 1945. Burmese bandit jumped out and fired the shotgun at him. Of course, the Belgian 12 balls, no match for the British stem gun. I ordered my own men to cut him down. And cut him down, they did, and he took the shotgun, and he sold it to me. <laughs> what, what, for a pretty penny, or was it just uh, $100 or something? It's a nail. It's a nail, this gun, but it's got such a great story, I couldn't resist it. It was 100 bucks. yeah. <laughs> so, I got, Bobby, we'll get into a story before we finish anyway, but what, what I did have one other question. When you guys hunt over there, is it all just private land, or are you guys allowed access to uh, public land under, like, a licensing system? No, it's very strange. It's, it's almost all private land, but uh, then we have, uh, we have a thing called wildfowling, and they have absolutely got it nailed because they've gone to the foreshores, which are very often owned by the Crown. You know, it's that sort of slightly nebulous area. We have big tides here. I bet you've got big tides where you are. But you know, this, sometimes there's land, and sometimes it's covered in sea. And, and they have this huge area of land all the way around the coast of Britain. And yet, like you, we've got a lot of coast. Um, so, uh, so they're a very big part of shooting as well. I and mean, you could sort of call that public land, although although it tends to be tied up in leases to the the clubs. But then, if you go over the over the water to France, you know, it's it's all public land hunting. There's very little by way of estates over there. Um, and in Germany, you know, it's all about the community going out. And actually, I, I quite like that. I, I I like this this thing of of you know it it, it has to be. All of us—it's all part of the sort of the you know the municipal, the, the village, the town, the whatever it is. Uh, we all have to get together to go hunting because you know you, then you get everybody in there. I mean, you get everybody in the way we do it, but it just feels a little bit more futile. Absolutely. So I mean, I guess let me—I mean, no doubt you've had a lot of experiences, you know, in the hunting and shooting community and over there in the UK, but. Maybe tell us a, a, a story, something that, you know, whether it be a funny story or one of your best days shooting, just tell us a story maybe that sticks out in your mind as, say, being one of the best days, you know, one of the best days in Charlie Jacoby's life. What always, always comes to my mind is, is, you know, the kind of huge diversity of people who watch Field Sports Channel. So I had a phone call the other day. And it was a fairly local bloke, and uh, I, I won't attempt to do his accent, but I'll do one accent anyway. And he, and he rang up and said, hello, Charlie. And I said, yes. He said, I got it. And I said, right, who are you and what did you get? He said, well, you may recall I rang you six months ago and I was talking about a rat. Well, I got that rat. I got him this morning and I want you to be the first to know. So I was very, very pleased about it. I said, well done. That's a fantastic job. Well done for getting the rat. Put the phone down on that one. Phone rang again. Phone rang again. Hello, Charlie. It's so-and-so here. I'm just off to Namibia where I'm going to shoot a thousand zebra. And I thought, you know, there's a great deal of blue water between the guy with the thousand zebra and the bloke with the rats. But isn't it strange? We're all, we're all basically sitting in the same church. And these phone calls um, are terrific. We had uh, uh, one the other day. <laughs> the guy rang up and said, I, I want to say my, my grandfather has a record. And I said, oh, yes, what, what does your grandfather do? And he said, he got, uh, he got probably the most remarkable right and left in, in sporting history. And I said, hey, what, what was that? Snipe and tiger. So <laughs> you want to get... You want to get the show, you want to get the barrel right for each of those. Don't you? you don't want to get you don't want, don't want to put a four five eight through a snipe and then be left with uh, you know dust shot for the tiger. You want to you want to make sure that you pull the right trigger on that one. Um, but probably my favourite one is it, again it's a slightly army one. Uh, it's going back to Palestine in the 1940s and uh, this old bloke who rang me he said in those days he was a young lieutenant he was on guard duty on a bridge um, and it's a lot of people 
forget, you know, one of the things about wars is there are enormous periods of very, very great boredom. And uh, so he had to spend day after day, week after week on this bridge. And all the time he was there, he could see this pack of duck quite a long way up the valley. Um, so um, eventually he went out on guard duty, but instead of taking his uh, army issue, whatever it was, he took his shotgun. Uh, and he radioed in Central Command, and he ordered in an encroaching barrage from the artillery section, and uh, so they blasted the valley all the way up, and pack after pack of duck flew over him. He had the most fantastic morning sport, all at, all at uh, the cost of uh, the taxpayer back in 1945. <laughs> no, some good. Mate, I bet you've had the life of hearing a lot of people's stories, and, uh, man, I'm just, if you ever want to trade and come over here, I'll happily take your job any day for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jason, it's very, very tempting offer. Um, we will be over in Australia, I hope, later in the year. So uh, I, will, I will come and visit you in person when we do. Absolutely. Or you tell me where you are, and if you're going to be, I'll absolutely come down and visit you for sure. And we maybe we can do a little bit of an on-time live show, you might say. So Yeah, that would be terrific. That would be absolutely terrific. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we, will be in, we will be in touch. Absolutely. So who, um, I guess, in finishing off, I guess... Um, you know, obviously, you know, you've started Field Sports Channel, you know, you've taken it to where it is today, but what's, I mean, you obviously said people calling you was one of the accomplishments, but, you know, do you do it to push forward the, the sport of hunting and shooting, or is it just, you know, what made you, like, what's the best accomplishment, what's the best thing that you think that's come out of you doing the show since since it's been running? I think that's probably it. It's probably the promotion of the sport. And, I mean, seeing people enjoying it, it's opening doors for viewers. Okay, so you, you might be a kind of standard issue fox shooter or a rabbit shooter or a pigeon shooter. That's what you do. You know, you go down on Sundays and shoot clay pigeons. That, that's your sport. But here we are opening doors for people and saying, you know, why, why don't you, 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 you do that? Have you thought of taking an eagle after hares? Or we took a, we took a cheetah off to Essex. Uh, which is in the east of England, and we set it off after rabbits. That was fun. So, you know, we're, we're basically saying to people, there's a whole world of possibilities out here. Now, you don't have to do any of it, but this is what they're like. Um, and, and if the opportunity arises, maybe give it a go. So there's that. And then just just as a kind of an undercurrent, a kind of background noise for that, there's awful grind, sort of teeth-grinding sounds going on in the background of the Field Sports Channel. And that comes from the Antis who are watching it and going, this is exactly what we wanted them not to do because we are showing off our sports to a wider world and we're making the point that this is fun, it's sociable, it teaches responsibility, citizenship, and that fun people do it. That's right. And then these days with the, you know, as you probably would be aware, the Facebooks and the, and the Twitters and all this, unfortunately, people can't get away with what they used to get away with, you know. And if, if something happens, everybody's quick to get on board and, and defend the sport of shooting, which is, I think is a really good thing. Yes, it is. They have the vocabulary to do it now, whereas before, because national media had abandoned the story, it did nothing about hunting, shooting and fishing, they didn't know how to say it. They didn't, they didn't know how to explain the arguments in pubs. Now they can. So, yeah, I think, I mean, we're, we're not the answer to everything, but uh, you just feel, feel good about that sometimes. Absolutely. All right. Second last question. If you, if somebody, you know, was brand new to the sport, and and this can go for anybody worldwide. If someone's getting into the sport, they want to come and hunt. They want to start try shooting. They want to learn. What say one or two pieces of advice you'd give someone that's brand new that you know might be a bit hesitant but really wants to give hunting and shooting a try? What's a few pieces of advice you'd be able to give them? 
Well, I think the first thing to know is that it's actually easier to go hunting, shooting, fishing from a standing start in the middle of a city than it is to get a game of tennis or a game of golf, and it's usually cheaper because you can get hold of a guide in the UK. You don't need a, a license to use somebody else's rifle or shotgun. You can get picked up at a station or drive out to see them. They'll take you. They'll make sure you're safe because their gun license is riding on this as well. You know, they, they don't want to lose that. Um, so you can have a fantastic afternoon shooting, hunting, or fishing, and compare that to, you know, the hassle of bringing up a golf club. Oh, you're a member. So no, I'm not a member. Well, I don't know. You could possibly get a, a game of golf here. So, or tennis. Tennis has become incredibly difficult. You know, there aren't enough tennis courts. So try hunting. It's really easy. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, oh, watch some of the shows. Look at, look, at what, look at what hunting, shooting, fishing is like. And, you know, choose something to do. It's accessible. And you will see how much fun it is. Exactly. All right. So I guess you're finishing off, mate. If people wanted to contact you or they want to go to the website, they want to um, purchase purchase some of the products like I did, some of the Foxing DVDs with James Marchington. I purchased that DVD off you about a year ago. But uh, if they want to did find... We, did, we, did we post it here on time? Ab- <laughs> no, you were about two weeks late, but that's fine. Yeah, we, we usually <laughs> are. Yes. Sorry about that. Um, okay, so this is, this is the plug for the show. I love this. I love this bit. So can, I do, can I do the spiel that I do Absolutely. at the end of the show? Absolutely. But only, okay. only if you say first, coming up. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say coming up, and then I'm going to try and beat the world record for doing my spiel right at the end of the show. Here we go. Coming up, it's the plug for the show. Well, you can watch our show at www.youtube.com forward slash show forward slash Field Sports Britain. That's our show's page, or go to our website, fieldsportschannel.tv, where you can click to follow us on Facebook or like us on Twitter or the other way around, or scroll down to the bottom where the constant contact form is where you put your email address, and we will constantly contact you about our weekly show, Field Sports Britain, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. UK time. We are the sand in the anti-hunters boxer shorts. <laughs> I wonder how many times you've actually said that. Probably about two, three thousand. <laughs> uh, it's well, I was just counting. I think it's um, two to three thousand takes, but uh, 132 episodes. And uh, the next one is out on Wednesday. Yeah, brilliant stuff. All right, Charlie, thanks for coming on my show, man. You, just, I mean, you guys have a fam- what you guys are doing over there in the UK for hunting, shooting, and fishing is just, I mean, honestly, nothing short of astronomical. I personally. Have, have have put on you know, my YouTube channel, my Facebook page. Every time one of your, uh, you know, one of your, your shows comes out, I enjoy watching them. Even though it's UK, when we can learn stuff from what you guys are doing over there, especially in regards to foxing and some of the bird stuff. And uh, you know, I hope you just keep going and keep you know bringing it out and keep pushing forward with the sport of hunting and shooting. So, mate, thanks again for coming on my show. You really are a funny guy. You make me laugh every time I watch your show at the start. You know, with your with your comments, and uh, it is a pleasure to talk to someone as experienced and and, and, um, and versed in the sport like you are. So thanks again for coming on the show. Jason, you've been, you've been brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.